This is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard DJ's Aviation Podcast. This is your home for everything aviation. From the latest news on aircraft, airlines, and airports, to documenting travel journeys unlike any other across the globe. Be sure to check out our second YouTube channel, Globetrotting at DJ's Aviation, where you'll find analytically driven coverage of the industry, which aims to answer your most burning questions. But for now, we're next in line for takeoff. So I'll pass you over to our host for today's proceedings, Dan. Hi all, welcome back to another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. Yes, I know, very much long overdue. This is also my second attempt at recording it. Um, I had recorded a 47-minute, I want to say, episode just yesterday discussing, of course, my world's longest flight from New York to Singapore. However, ultimately, I'm not very happy or was not very happy with the end result of it. So I just wanted to take the time to re-record it, even though obviously it's quite time consuming to get it in a manner where I can be proud of the end product. And uh, the podcast has definitely been put to the side in the past couple of weeks, so an apology has to go out for that. Life has been very, very busy. It's not really allowed me any time for the podcast. As you may or may not know, the podcast is purely a passion project of mine that I enjoy doing on the side of everything else. Ultimately, it's not the number one priority, and sometimes when I'm putting resources in other areas, finding the time to script a podcast out, or should I say, make up some notes for a podcast, record it, edit it, and eventually get it published out. However seemingly easy it may be, just the time doesn't... um, It doesn't present itself to me. So that's why you haven't had episodes in the past couple of weeks. In addition to that, I've just been feeling a little bit burnt out. It's been the past, or the past couple of months have been the busiest they've ever been for me with regards to work. There's been a lot of investments um, in in the brand and the company, if you will. So getting all those perfected in a manner I want and and launching, uh, for example, my second channel, Globetrotting, uh, which has done very, very well. So thank you very much to everyone that has decided to tune into those videos. But launching that channel, uh, refreshing the entire DJ's aviation brand and still currently working on a website with a freelancer, my time has just been on 550 different things. My mind has been racing and frankly, I've just been shattered Uh, if I do get any sort of time off at all. But we're here and time to record my experience flying on the world's longest flight from New York to Singapore. A very interesting experience, probably not your... Uh, how would one put it, not your most simplistic flight, but one that will definitely stick with me for good and bad reasons. So a bit of backstory, if you haven't had the chance to listen to previous episodes of the podcast, I spent a couple of days exploring New York uh, before eventually heading back to Australia. The purpose of my New York visit was to work with an aviation company that did fall through. So in the end, I just had a lot of spare time to Uh, see the city for the very first time, and now we've reached the point where I am headed back from New York to Australia. Given the fact I needed to be in New York for this aviation uh, company, I figured to myself, how would I make my travel interesting back to Australia? Now, there are a couple of options, but Honestly, I really did want to try Singapore Airlines. I've heard a lot of good things about the airline, and I thought to myself, the world's longest flight does go out of New York, where I am staying, so I might as well give it a go and then travel onwards from Singapore. Uh, My thoughts on ultra-long-haul flying? 
I don't honestly like it. The longest flight I had done previously to New York to Singapore was London to Perth. I did so while I was sick and it was on my first solo journey. Quite the experience and um, I said never again after that flight, yet here we are with uh, me flying on the world's longest flight. I think very much so I'm in that camp of a stopover is far better than ultra long haul, but in this sense, I just wanted to tick it off a bucket list. A bucket list that now I can say I've done it, but I will definitely not be doing it again. Let's just say if I find myself in New York again, I would rather just go to Los Angeles and then onwards to Sydney or Melbourne on a 14-hour flight or 13-hour flight rather than spending 19 and a half hours. As for Singapore Airlines, I'll be getting into my review of them specifically more towards the end of the episode and letting you know whether I will fly them again. But let's begin at the beginning of the day, and that is around checkout time from my hotel, which was around 7 a.m. when I checked out. That's when I was deciding to head to the airport via an airport shuttle. In my honest opinion, I think the two major things to consider when booking a hotel, especially if you're staying near the airport, is does it have a shuttle and does it have free breakfast? Now, this is... uh, Sorry pardon me, last episode I did mention to you how valuable a free breakfast can be because at the end of the day it does eliminate one meal that you need to pay for. Of course, while it is included on the hotel cost, it's a buffet breakfast every single day you're staying there and almost an all-you-can-eat. So there's benefits there that you can almost eat so much that you don't have to have lunch as well. So there are definitely two contributing factors if I ever have to stay at a hotel near an airport is a shuttle for in terms of ease getting to and from the hotel and airport and in addition a breakfast. So in, in regards to booking the shuttle that needed to be done the night before four uh, so just simply going down to the desk and saying I need I'm checking out tomorrow I need a shuttle to the airport at uh, X time so for me it was 7 a.m very simply then you just need to be down in the lobby at 7 a.m with your bags and then you'll jump on board the shuttle it, it will depend if other people are coming with you because again it, it just goes down to how many people have booked the shuttle for that time slot I was very lucky that the hotel I was staying in had a 24 hour around the clock shuttle uh, hence why I'm also returning to that hotel in a couple of weeks when I fly through Newark once more onwards to uh, Canada so there'll be more on that in uh, more upcoming podcasts where you'll get some more cool travel experience podcasts. In fact, I'm still trying to get through the ones from a couple months ago. That just shows you how busy I have been and how little time I've had. So there's quite a lot of backlog and there's hopefully some exciting podcasts still to come. So yeah, managed to get on the shuttle. It was a very, very simple process. The staff were great there. Headed off to Newark Uh, Again, flying with Singapore Airlines for the very first time. Despite arriving into Newark Airport a couple days prior, I'd never really seen the airport or was all that familiar with it. So this was technically my first time actually flying through the airport because I was actually able to see the airport itself and then check in. So upon arriving into the terminal about, oh, I would like to say 30 seconds in, the fire alarm was set off. Uh, apparently, this is quite a common occurrence. And when I did make note of that, a lot of people laughed over on social media and said, that's very much Newark Airport in a nutshell. Uh, it's a very messy airport, apparently. Now, me being Australian, I don't really know the ins and outs and the general public's perception or travellers' perceptions of, of all the airports in the world. I guess it would be similar to me understanding Australian airports, but maybe someone from New York doesn't understand. So, yeah, I had no idea that Newark was sort of frowned upon as an airport, but most people were saying it can be quite messy. So with this alarm blaring and my ears bleeding, I quickly realized that I was also on the wrong floor. Oh, and speaking of, it didn't seem like 
it was an issue uh, because even the employees inside the terminal were not evacuating. And I was thinking to myself, well, should we be evacuating? But I think it may be quite a common occurrence that this thing does go off. Uh, that being said, definitely then questions arise over what happens if it's the one time where we do need to evacuate. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. So, yeah, I found myself on the wrong floor. That's because the shuttle guy had dropped me off at the wrong spot, which was frustrating. But you work these things out and it's a very simple elevator up another level to the Singapore Airlines check-in. Uh, the Singapore Airlines check-in was not very busy when I arrived, albeit it was also not open, despite saying it would have been open 30 minutes prior. This is something I've experienced multiple times on my travel. I always find that the staff get to the check-in desks later than they initially say. So I was I was stuck there for about 20 minutes before they turned up. So I think they shut up about 45 minutes late. And then the problem started with uh, the check-in desks. So the first initial problem was that the... Uh, the what's the word for it the conveyor belts were down so they had to bring out technicians obviously they cannot load any bags and process anything if the conveyor belts are not working to transport the luggage onwards into the maze of tunnels and such to eventually get to the plane so that went on and then once they were fixed there was then issues with the computer so the computer systems i believe were down meaning they also then couldn't check in passengers it was just a very complicated check in process and similar to what i've i think i've i've mentioned this in previous podcasts but an observation i've always made is when flying through asia Passengers definitely bring on a lot more baggage. Uh, They're larger traveling parties, and they're also therefore bringing more bags, as in you'll sometimes find huge boxes, uh, 15 suitcases, whereas uh, if I'm flying, say, from Australia to North America directly, for the most part, there's not a lot of baggage. Well, you may have the one odd person relocating, and I'm sure that's definitely happening on the Singapore Airlines flight, but a general observation is there's a lot more luggage. Uh, whether it's cultural, I'm not too sure. Um, maybe it's a lot of people moving back or moving to and from or just shipping things and they're using the plane for that aspect. But it does mean that processing passengers can take quite some time because think about it, it's it's one party, is two people, but they've got 15 bags all overweight. It can be quite a lengthy process. And um, back to the issues that they were having with regards to processing bags and passengers, I don't think I've ever been to a check-in recently, at least, that's gone smooth. Either the people have rocked up late or there's been an issue with the, the belt or the systems. It just feels like it's a very, very, very common occurrence. Uh, you can let me know if you're in the same boat and when you've been traveling, there's there's also been issues. But nevertheless, I did eventually get processed and thankfully, because I had arrived early, Uh, which is always a good thing to be doing, not just now after the pandemic, but I think generally it always is good to arrive early before an international flight. That way you're not stressed. You don't put the workers under stress by them having to chase you around. Uh, Obviously, it's different if you're on an international or domestic flight and you're connecting, but if your initial departure point is where you're staying, the least you can do is get there early for the people that are going to be in the airport, and even just for yourself to create a more seamless and smooth uh, travel experience. So even with all the delays, I did clear check-in. I think it was just after eight o'clock, so there was still uh, a little over two hours before my flight was set to depart. I wasn't too sure where I was going to be headed. I just decided eventually, though, to head right through security, and security was probably one of the best experiences I've ever had. It would also coincidentally be one of the last good things of this experience. Uh, before it quickly took a downhill turn, which you're going to find out about very soon. The staff were lovely, both at 
um, the security point and also the customs point, something I've not generally experienced all that much when traveling through the United States. Generally, the security people and also the customs are quite uh, flat or quite vocal and loud and yelling. Uh, They have to be very uh, dominant and assertive and saying, go here, go there. But the people that were at Newark were very, very nice, making making jokes, pardon me, with us. And this is the first time I've ever experienced this, but I went through one of those uh, check-in point, uh, what am I saying, security points where I didn't have to take things out of my pockets, didn't have to take my shoes off, didn't have to take my belt off, and didn't have to take anything out of my bag. So it's one of those new screening things that I've not experienced. I know it's being rolled more... Uh, widely out at airports, but it's not something I've experienced up until that point. And I must say, it's very good and it smooths the process out a lot more. I think it causes less stress for the employees too, because while I understand travel and maybe you listening also knows what to do at a security point, it would be it would be naive of me, pardon me, to say that that speaks for everyone. Not everyone understands that you need to take everything out of a security point. Not everyone travels all the time. For some people, they may be anxious uh, and just may have like a, a momentary brain fade where they, they're not sure what to do. So this new screening, I think, speeds up the process, makes it much more smooth, and it can be a stressful thing. You've got to remember everything in your pockets. You need to make sure you've taken out your electronics, and some people forget, and then that causes a backlog. But in this situation... Very, very smooth. Didn't have to take anything out. Upon moving through the security checkpoint, it was very evident that uh, at least past this area of Newark where I was flying from was very, very dated. Um, It did look like just a very old airport, which is in contrast to the area where I arrived, which is where all the United aircraft were. That felt very modern. I assume it recently got a facelift, but where I was departing from, there are a couple of other... Uh, I believe international flights. We had one going off to London, and I can't quite recall the other destinations, but this passage, it was quite literally a passage, felt very small, cramped, uh, and very different to what I've been used to when it comes to other uh, airports around the world, whether that be Singapore, even Sydney, Melbourne Airport, Vancouver. So I've heard some things about how the facilities can be quite uh, quite dated, pardon me. So definitely quite the experience there. And I guess quickly realizing that moving through the terminal, there wasn't a whole lot past security and maybe I should have waited to go through security, but you live and you learn. And like I mentioned, I'll be traveling through Newark once again in the coming weeks. So when I depart again out of there, albeit it is not for a huge international flight, I'll just be able to know that maybe I'll explore a little bit more so uh, before security. So Arrived at the gate, which only was a four-minute walk away from security, and um, yeah, just sort of sat around for quite a bit. There was not a whole lot there. I think there was one little cafeteria and a news agency, so just resorted to looking at my phone, filming any B-roll for the flight review, which, yes, I still haven't had the chance to edit. It's been very hectic, and I think one of the biggest things I've noticed with flight reviews is not a lot of people are interested in actually watching them. They take days upon days to compile, and I do very much enjoy them, but no one really enjoys them when they come out. Like, there's a very, very small core audience that tunes into them, and I get that. I'm not a flight review channel, and honestly, I don't think my flight reviews are all that special. So, I guess the motivation to spend days editing this flight review just hasn't been there. 
Uh, and obviously, as you know, I've just been super busy and life has been super chaotic. So devoting that time on top of everything else, I guess the time where I would have normally been editing a flight review has gone towards other areas, whether that be uh, the website, whether that be the second channel, whether that be uh, many other avenues. So I, I promise I will get to that eventually. I'm trying to line up a sponsor as well. So we're just going to have to see how that goes. But uh, I have compiled the clips it's just now about trimming that down and getting scripting on a on on the audio part. So yeah, there was just a lot of B-roll filming to make sure I had enough because I was very excited to cover this flight. Uh, in hindsight, now I'm not that excited about releasing the report just because it was a bit of a nightmare of a flight and initial stages. Uh, normally, if you, uh, I guess a bit of a disclaimer. If you don't know, I have a very severe peanut allergy. If you listen to all the previous podcasts or just keep up with the channel and me, you'll know that that's a very important part of my booking with airlines. And I normally stay clear of carriers where they do serve nuts or potentially the risk is higher that culturally the people on board would bring peanuts on. So that's why I sort of always fly um, Air Canada, Qantas, uh, Delta, United, American. You're very much Western uh, companies. But I wanted to give Singapore Airlines a go because upon looking up a lot on the airline, uh, I found that they don't serve peanuts as snacks and peanuts have uh, largely been removed from the cabin. I also figured that there would be a better chance because apparently they're such a good airline that the crew could maybe just kindly let people know around me that... uh, I had a peanut allergy, and if they could maybe just try and refrain from eating those until off the plane, if they had bought any on the flight to begin with. So it's a pretty routine thing I do, and I believe I am, and I'm not saying this is in I have a big head, but I believe I'm entitled to go up and say, and mention that to them, uh, just to let give them the common courtesy that I do have a peanut allergy, uh, to which I did, and the people I'm talking about that I mentioned this to were the ones that checked us in. They are the gate staff that then were going to process us onto the plane. So I bre- I just went up to them and said, hey guys, uh, carry an EpiPen. I have a very severe peanut allergy. Would it be at all possible if I could just get on the plane a little bit earlier than pre- the rest of the people in premium economy just to wipe down my seat, wipe down the tray table, wipe down the IFE a second time? Again, this is something I do on every flight. Um, I will normally say, hey, can I just get on a little bit earlier just to clean up the space. I know the planes are cleaned, but I just feel a bit more comfortable doing it myself once again. And I guess because I'd never flown Singapore before, I really did want to do it again, to which I was... uh, And and also, I just want to mention that I'm not necessarily saying I deserve that to happen, but it's just something that normally I'm allowed to do. And normally the airlines are very accommodating of that. They know that a peanut allergy is no joke. They know that there are risks, therefore, for me when flying. So they allow me to then just head on a little bit earlier, clean down the seat, be able to be comfortable and then uh, move forward with that. However, I was shut down instantly by the the staff at the the, the gate. Uh, they were like, no, we're not going to allow you to board early. The plane's already clean. To which I said, I get that. I completely understand the planes are cleaned, but uh, given the severity of my allergy and just for peace of mind, is it at all possible to be able to do a, a second wipe down? I was just denied that. Um, so that was fair enough, I guess. Not that I agreed, and I guess it probably could have been done in a nicer way. I wasn't trying to cause any tension or start something, but they just didn't seem very accommodating to absolutely anything. And then I think it sort of clocked with the people there that I did have a peanut allergy, and then it all of a sudden switched even worse. And uh, I started getting comments like, well, 
you know, you have a severe peanut allergy. We're not going to probably allow you on the plane. Now, yes, you did hear that correctly. They, they basically said to me that we probably aren't going to allow you on the plane, to which obviously I am utterly baffled as to why this could be such a thing. Um, I said to her, like, I don't understand. What do you like? What do you want me to do? I'm, I'm stood here at the gate. My bags, I've been processed. I've nowhere to stay. I'm like, do you want me to go on another flight with another airline? And uh, he and also she and there was another guy there basically said to me that, look, there's a high risk you, of you on this aircraft. And uh, and she said, because we're serving peanuts all throughout the flight as snacks and everything, to which I then said to her, no, I had a look at the website and um, no, you don't serve peanuts as snacks. You said as of 2018, you stopped doing that. And in fact, you've quickly become an airline that has been quite good with people and their nut allergies, hence why I booked you. Now, I didn't say it exactly like that word for word. I basically just said, I don't believe you serve nuts, peanuts as snacks because under your airline policy, it says you don't. And that's exactly why I booked with you. She said, no, peanuts are being served on this flight. Very, very much so. And uh, so that really shocked me. And then she said, like, well, did you pick a nut-free meal? And I sort of said to her, well, that's not possible. I, there was no nut-free meal. If you didn't know, Singapore Airlines do have a very good system where you can pre-pick your meal prior to the flight you can do so during check-in so i essentially said that i well i went through pardon me during check-in and picked my meal but the only thing that was available was a fruit platter there was no nut-free meal available i would have picked the nut-free meal i think i spent a solid hour looking through the app and looking through their policy and website trying to figure out where on earth the nut-free meal could be selected it just seemed like it wasn't available for my flight, though. So for then her and the other people there to be saying, almost criticizing me that I didn't pick it and it's my own fault, I said to them, it's not available. I picked the fruit platter because that's usually the safest option if I can't find a nut-free meal. And she said, well, you should have picked the, the nut-free meal. There's no fruit platters on this flight. That obviously shocked me. I was a bit uh, a bit taken aback given the fact I'd already pre-selected a fruit platter and I'm sure other people did as well to then learn that no fruit platters had been loaded on she then proceeded to say almost have a go at me for picking a fruit platter and said well what do you want us to do do you want us to go and get a fruit platter from somewhere else just with a lot of attitude that I didn't really understand I was I was worried but I was pretty calm uh, and just basically asking them questions but she was really having a go at me and just like saying in such a derogatory way like do you want me to go and find a, a fruit platter like we can't what do you expect us to do we can't go and get one for you like i didn't expect anything i just selected a fruit platter on the app because it was a meal that was available there was nowhere i could pick a nut-free meal as you're claiming so it seems like it was an issue on the app's part it's not anyone's fault it certainly wasn't their fault it's not like the airport staff are the ones that make sure the meals are there in terms of like on the app but then to be acting like that i, I didn't think was on she then said, well, I've got to go and speak to the crew now and see if you're even allowed on board the plane. So again, that sort of took me aback too. I stepped back from the the, the kiosk because she said she'd be right back. And then there was a guy sitting just behind where I was standing. And he, he came up to me and he said, do you have a peanut allergy? And I said, yes. And he said, I also have a, a nut allergy. I can't remember which one it was, but he carries an EpiPen too, long story short. And he also confirmed that he could not find a nut-free meal anywhere, anywhere, pardon me, and had also picked the fruit platter because it just seemed like the best option. If you have allergies or you have difficulties with processing certain foods, you'll know that always the fruit platter can just be the best option. It's quite nice, but it is the best option uh, just to keep you safe on board these flights. 
25 minutes later, as the plane started boarding, she returned back and said to me, look, the crew are, vesi- are very hesitant to let you on board. So this is the pilots and the the cabin crew. Again, that was even more confusing to me because I didn't feel like I had done anything wrong to be denied like access onto the plane. I was utterly, utterly baffled. Um, so apparently the crew were hesitant. So I sort of said, like, I don't understand. They said, oh, well, you have a peanut allergy and I was serving peanuts on this flight as snacks. And then again, I said to her, like, that's, I already just looked it up. I looked it up while I was waiting. I said, your website says you do not serve peanuts. So I don't quite understand how that's a thing. And, uh, yeah. So she was just like, well, we don't have fruit platters either. So you're not going to be able to eat anything. And they're very hesitant to let you on board. Like, why didn't you pick the fruit? Uh, why didn't you pick the nut thing, the nut-free meal? And I kept trying to, like, she kept going on about this nut-free meal. And I'm like, it wasn't on the app. Do you not think, as someone with a nut allergy, that I would have picked the nut-free meal if it had been available? I wouldn't have picked the fruit platter because I did actually want a meal for the 20-hour journey. So that was incredibly frustrating and definitely not the nicest staff I've come across. It eventually led to me having to fill out four different forms. Uh, basically saying I would not be fed during this flight. Uh, And obviously, I was flying to Singapore, but I had another Singapore Airlines flight after. This will be documented next week in the following podcast. So then I was under the impression like, well, I'm not going to be able to eat for maybe like 48 hours. So I'm going to need to go and get food from the news agency. But we were already in the final stages of boarding. And it's like, look, you've caused this mess. You're going to, you can wait. Like I said that to her. I was like, I need to go and get food. Can you wait for me? And she was like, yeah, yeah, meh, yeah. Like it didn't seem very certain. And I was like, well, I, was, I, was, I don't care. Just let me, at this point, I was so over it. I just said, if you're going to let me on the plane, I'll sign the thing of not giving me food. Just let me on the plane. Because I knew peanuts were not being served. Like, I just knew that wasn't happening. So, I don't know where she was getting that information. So, then I had to hightail it across from the gate to a news agency. Spent, it was, I think, around about $60 on food. Now, again, if you have been through airports, you know how expensive food is. I had to get a couple of sandwiches because in my head, I was like, I'll get this for breakfast. I'll get this for lunch. If I'm not being served on the next Singapore Airlines flight, I may need to also get something else for that too. So my head was like planning meals ahead of time um, and I hadn't eaten the largest breakfast because for some reason I felt nervous. I don't know why. Maybe because it was foreshadowing what was going to happen. Who knows? So I did buy like a couple sandwiches, just some snack things to, to get me by. And then it quickly adds up because news agencies inside the terminal are so expensive. So I had my bag of goodies. I was basically the last person on the plane. No, I was the second last person on the plane. The last person on the plane was... Also, the person that um, I was, the other guy that had the nut allergy, he was also buying food because we were both under the impression that obviously we're not going to be fed and we had, he didn't sign the forms, but I did sign them. Uh, he didn't sign them because he didn't mention it to them because he, I was just like, I don't, like, I don't know if it's worth, they, if they, they nearly didn't let me on the plane. If they find out someone else has it, they're going to call off the entire flight. Not actually, but you know, there was that, there was that um thing in my head of like, oh, they're going to they're going to lose it if they find out there's someone else with a peanut allergy. She is insisted on escorting me to the uh, the plane, so I didn't get to record the boarding process, unfortunately, which is another reason why I'm a little bit um, 
not upset, but frustrated with the overall review process of filming it because I did only get on this flight to review it for everyone and document it and I guess take it off on my bucket list and it had so far been a little bit of a disaster. They escorted me to the plane and then made it known that I was the one with the peanut allergy and everything like that. The Singapore Airlines staff were nice. They took me to my seat. They had actually moved. I was in premium economy towards the back of the cabin. I paid $150 extra to get a solo seat. I figured you're flying 19 and a half hours. A solo seat in premium economy is better than having someone next to you. Um, $150 is a lot of money, but on the grand scheme of things of how much I paid for the ticket, if that's just a little bit more comfort, which it was... um, then I would take it. Thankfully, the load factors of the flight were not that drastically big. So Singapore had just moved someone away from me because of the allergy. So that was done by the crew once I was on board. So again, I was getting so many mixed signals from the crew not wanting me on board to then the crew accepting me to then the airport staff not wanting me to board to them getting angry at me. I was very, very baffled. I sort of was just going with the flow and like, just get me out of here, get me back home. I don't know what's going on. Um... Again, an expensive ticket, so the mess was a bit of a uh, downer in terms of how much I'd paid and how stressful it had been for me, when again, I really don't think I did anything wrong. I don't think me having a peanut allergy is my fault, Um, while you could say it's my fault for choosing to fly. Is it really, though? Because then you can just make the excuse for anyone that's flying. You can't control the allergy. I always try and be careful, which is why I asked, could I just go and clean down the seat in the first place? And and usually I also take that opportunity to mention it to the crew personally. I don't have someone else mention it for me because if someone else mentions to the crew that I have a peanut allergy, then they don't really like care as much. I really wanted to mention it to the crew, which I didn't have the chance to do. It was the staff who did it, and I don't know what they said. They could have just said something completely incorrect and led to all of this conundrum, but it is what it is. Shortly after departure, we were... Well, they started the first lunch service, I believe it was, and um, a tray arrived in front of me, and I was taken aback. I was looking out the window. I think I'd just finished my sandwich, And a tray arrived in front of me and I look down and you would not believe, you would not believe, and I'm serious, you would not believe what was in front of me. A fruit platter. A fruit platter with cheese and bread. I looked at it. I looked at the person that gave it to me. I said, thank you. And I was like, but I thought you didn't have fruit platters. To which they respond, no, we have fruit platters. We have more. If you want more, ask. I sort of turned my head and I was like, I didn't say anything else because it wasn't really worth it, but I was so, at that point, shocked and frustrated that this whole thing had happened over a fruit platter that apparently they didn't have on the flight, and they did, and all of these issues just could have been avoided. Fruit platter was very, very good. Honestly, again, you can't go wrong with a fruit platter. While everyone harps on about the business class and first class meals, some fresh fruit on a long flight really does go a long way and is genuinely very, very enjoyable. I think it's great for freshening up the palate because of the plain air and such. Then I sort of tucked into something on IFE. I'm not too sure what what movie I watched. Actually, I may have watched Sport on my phone, to be fair. I think we had Wi-Fi, so the Wi-Fi was pretty decent on the flight. Eventually, I tried to head off to sleep. I'm someone that cannot sleep in an upright position. I just can't do it. Like, I can't have good sleep in an upright position, which is why I do not like flying. So I did try to sleep, recline back in the premium economy chair. It was comfortable, but I still couldn't sleep. 
then I sort of contorted myself and in the solo seat of premium economy on these 350s, you have a, a storage bin to your left or right, depending on which side of the cabin you're on. And I sort of contorted my body and, and rested my head on the top of the storage bin with a pillow. This was actually really comfortable, surprisingly, and I did fall asleep for borderline 13 hours on and off. And the flight went by very quickly. I was on and off sleeping on this storage bin. The majority of the time I spent awake was just after departure. And then I slept pretty much all the way through the rest of it. Again, was really pleasantly surprised with how comfortable the storage bin was. It wasn't the most optimal sleeping position, let me just say. But it was very comfortable. Breakfast came around eventually and I was served once again a fruit platter. The thing they didn't have. Shock horror. Probably could have saved myself some money, but that being said, I guess I was just fed very nicely by myself during the flight as well, being able to eat sandwiches and and, and crisps and some snacks. And then after 19 and a half hours, we arrived into Singapore. Honestly, not much happened on the flight. There was nothing really eventful to talk about. It was comfortable. The staff, for the most part, after the initial conundrum were nice, but and a massive but, those issues that went on for nearly an hour and a half didn't need to happen, and they weren't just issues with initially the staff at Newark, there were also issues with the cabin crew who apparently didn't want to let me on board, and all of that stress, that all that stress I had, all the worries that they weren't going to let me on board, to then hearing that the crew were also very hesitant, isn't worth it in my opinion. Now to you, it, this won't happen, like, this is not saying Singapore Airlines is a bad airline. I just want to make that completely clear. I don't care personally what they think of me, if they even know, but I'm just saying that um, it doesn't make them a bad airline. Just my experience doesn't meet, want me to fly with them again. You're going to hear there was another issue once again on the uh, A380 to Sydney. There was another problem again when of me trying to get on the plane. So ultimately, there were just a lot of issues with my peanut allergy, and I think it while the staff for 95% of the flight were very, very nice to me, it's just like all of that isn't worth it. All the issues that I had beforehand um, isn't worth my time. For the amount of money that they were charging and the way everything happened, I would I would just rather go with another airline that will actually care that I have a peanut allergy to begin with and not treat it like, like it's stupid. Do you know what I mean? So not a bad flight. Um, would I still prefer a stopover? Yes. Uh, I don't like ultra long haul flying, just no chance whatsoever. So I've ticked it off. I've done it now, but never again. And as for Singapore Airlines, not a terrible experience in terms of the overall flight, but all the issues I had don't make me returning and giving them more of my money all that worth it, to be honest, until maybe they become a bit more accepting and staff all round become a bit more accepting of someone's peanut allergy. Uh... Because look, I told you that it always can be a bit stressful flying. I have gotten to the point where I've gotten a little bit more comfortable with it. Um, But then to have this experience, it was just a bit of a kick in the face. And there was a lot of attitude from everyone. Uh, Even the crew were at first a little bit unsure of me and didn't seem all that eager to to let me on board. Even when I had actually boarded the plane, they were a bit like off with me. They eventually were nice. I think that... I gave them, I was very, very nice to them. I was always saying thank you very much. Uh, it's very kind of you. Thank you for my meal. Um, I said, was like, how are you? Because, and then they sort of turned, but had I maybe not been like that, the flight may have been a little bit different. Uh, so yeah, 
not a bad airline. Just wouldn't be flying them again for personal reasons. You can take that as you will. If you have a peanut allergy, it is something for you to consider. If not, then 100% you'll have no issues with them because I'm sure it's an exceptional experience for everyone else. Um, Other than that, not much else to it. Arrival into Singapore was during the day, so I was finally able to see Singapore during the light. I have flown a couple times through the airport, so Changi, but it's always been during pitch black, so I haven't had the opportunity to see anything. But this time I did have the chance, and that was uh, quite cool, albeit it was only a couple of hours after landing that I was able to see anything, and then we, we faded into the uh, night time as I left at 1am on the next morning. So it was a lengthy layover, but we'll get into that in the next episode. The final note I had was the Project Sunrise comparison. I'm very, very interested to see what Qantas does with Project Sunrise. Obviously, the difference between Singapore's ultra-long-haul flying and uh, Qantas's is that Qantas will be having economy. Now, their flights are going to be even longer as well with your Sydney to uh, New York nonstop, Sydney to London, Melbourne to London, uh, and, and, and I think also stuff like Sydney to Brazil. So, yeah, really, really long flights, and they're looking to have economy on their services. So, while they're saying they have ways to combat that with, like, exercise rooms, I don't know how that's going to work. Maybe this is something I'll dive into in another episode, but given it's also going to be more expensive, I can see where there is benefits to flying without a single stop, like directly to your nonstop, directly to your destination. Uh, But at the same time, for an added cost, if you're not flying in those upper classes, comfort overall, I, I don't know if that's there. I think you would just rather take a stopover, no matter how stressful it can be, especially because Alan Joyce has said it's going to be more expensive. And having flown our Singapore Airlines premium economy, the best way I could review the flight, it was the longest, shortest flight ever. Sorry, it was the shortest but longest flight of my life. A really odd experience, but I think those flights, to truly be comfortable and to truly enjoy them, you have to be in those upper classes. And the reality is the people that fly in business and and first only represent a very small fraction of the general flying public. Most of us are in economy class. So that's really, while that doesn't make them the most money for the airlines, and that's why they invest so much in the upper class products, it's also important to consider how the economy class um, patrons are going to be feeling. So definitely uh, something to keep in mind. And I'm interested to see the reception to Project Sunrise once it begins and how Qantas combats some of the many questions that customers no doubt will have and potentially concerns that will be ever present with these ultra, ultra long haul flights. That's going to conclude today's podcast. Thank you very, very much for your kind support across the podcast. And I apologize for not doing one for two weeks. I do hope you enjoyed this journey, even though it was a little bit rocky. Next week, like I mentioned, will be the Singapore Airlines A380 service. Uh, Also a reminder, if you have made it this far, do review the podcast on Spotify or on Apple uh, Podcasts. You can also follow and subscribe, and that way you will never miss an episode. Or check me out over on Twitter, at DJ's Aviation, and that is my primary social media platform, where I post updates, pictures, discussions, news, and much more. Thank you very much for listening. Do enjoy what is left of your weekend, or potentially the start of your week, whenever you may be listening, and stay tuned for next week's episode, where we jump on board a Singapore Airlines A380 in premium economy from Sydney through to, well, no, pardon me, from Singapore through to Sydney. And a very warm welcome to your destination. Please keep your seatbelt fastened for the following.
This has been the DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation, from news to incredible stories detailing trips worldwide. Leave a review and follow the podcast on your preferred streaming platform. For Onward Connections, check us out on Twitter at DJ's Aviation or the show notes to join our partner Discord server, see the website, and more. And we'd like to thank you sincerely for listening, and we look forward to seeing you back on board shortly for another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast.